0: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 it's time to wake up <laughs> it's five and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on!
1: Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Steven Lightford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game, leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10 I'm going to be all over the place today. I'm going to be honest. This weekend was full of stuff that I want to talk about. I don't even know what I want to start with. Well, I kind of do. I pre-plan the show. But we got that Giants and Cubs series over the weekend as the Giants took three of four in what, in my opinion, besides those series against the Dodgers, uh, was the second biggest series of the year just because... The Cubs were leading the Central, and we wanted to see how the Giants could stack up against other teams within the National League, ones that they could possibly uh, be playing at some point, uh, possibly in the postseason, if the Giants do get that far. And I think that this series proved a lot and showed a lot. Do I want to talk about that? Do I want to talk about Julio Jones? Do I want to talk about what happened... Within the NBA this weekend, as yesterday we had the Clippers and the Mavs in a Game 7 matchup, Uh, the Hawks and the Sixers played in Game 1, the Nets and the Bucks, they played uh, their first game as well, James Harden goes out with, what, 40 seconds into the game, and James Harden's already out uh, with a hamstring injury, do I want to talk about that, or do I want to just... Play Clay Thompson cuts from his Instagram live for an entire hour. There's no emotion
0: on my face, because I'm numb. I don't know!
1: Yeah, but there is a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah! And that abomination of a fight between Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather yesterday, as it's just becoming more and more dumb that we are attached to this thing, and I am a part of that. I can't believe that I even took the time to watch that thing yesterday. It's Yeah, it's fantastic. We're getting to see... Chad Cinco and Logan Paul live out their dreams of being able to fight in an exhibition round that ends up just ending in a, no decision at all. It's just all you got is Jake Paul sitting on his phone on the sideline, just tweeting out that his brother beat Floyd Mayweather, even though Floyd was just doing what Floyd does. I couldn't stand it yesterday. I don't know why I sat through it. But it was a Sunday and, you know, we already had sports over and that was the only thing going on on that Sunday. But uh, I do want to talk about this giant series because I think that um, what they have shown from the beginning of the year on is and I hate to say it because it's just so damn cliche, but the whole resilient SF thing. You know, I didn't really like the slogan too much. It was just like, resilient San Francisco, okay, whatever. But (laughs) i got to be honest, what this team has shown is some damn resilience. And that game on Friday was out at that game. There were so many home runs hit, and they started out with the opener, didn't know who they were going to start and uh, Scott Kazmir ended up starting the game, but he only went a couple of innings and gave up uh, two earned runs. Then Dominic Leone came in in the next two and also gave up a couple of runs, uh, all of them coming off of uh, home runs. But then Latell, Menez, McGee, and Rogers all not giving up anything. And look, that game on Friday, I think, was a lot of fun to go to. And not only that, but it made Jock Peterson the total enemy. You know, I think Trevor Bauer might be that number one guy right now. Trevor Bauer might be the number one dude who just Giants fans are going to hate from now on just because of what he did at his last start in Oracle Park with the sword and uh, with the sword celebration and, you know, walking off the field after he was done with his outing, waving to the crowd as they were booing him, you know, giving him more. But Jock Peterson was doing that exact same thing, and being at that game on Friday, you could tell that out of everyone on that Cubs team, whenever they were announcing the lineups, it didn't matter who it was, you know, Wilson Contreras, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, uh, this dude Patrick Wisdom, <laughs> I who was, I was with my girlfriend at the time, and I'm like, who the hell is this? And she had no idea either. What, Ian Happ, uh, Al Contra, who I'd never heard of before? Like all of these guys were getting cheered, but the one guy who wasn't was Jock Peterson. Jock was Jock was getting booed like crazy, and he was playing into it. He was playing into it because he had the home run to start it off and he was Going around the bases, hand up in the air, running around second base. And then when he went out to left field, you could tell that he was having some fun with the fans and, you know, they were booing him and he was egging them on. It was a, you know, it's good. I think we do need those type of players, but I do think that that was what was born over the weekend was from that series, was uh, just more of an enemy made from Jock Peterson. Like it doesn't even matter that he's a Bay Area guy. But um, overall, the Bats were alive and the Giants just. They don't stop scoring runs, man. They just don't. You know they don't hit for average, and you know not a lot of other teams do. The uh, who was it? The from the nine two five at one point they were saying that the uh, that the league wide batting average was going to be its lowest since the nineteen sixties, and they were absolutely right. The league wide batting average uh, at the time last week was somewhere around two thirty two, which was terrible, which was by far (laughs) the worst uh, because the uh, worst before that was two thirty seven. So. You know, they're heading to that way. But the Giants just continue to take advantage of runners on base and continue to get guys to the plate. And when you're having a pitcher like Gosman, who's out there, and you give him a little run support, that gives him the luxury of pitching with some confidence. And yet again, another great outing for him. And this was on the Saturday. He pitched seven innings, gave up two hits, struck out ten, and only gave up uh, a home run. And that's it. I I mean... Look, Gosman, now he's moved on to 7-0. He is continuing to ball out. And it's one of these guys like Gosman and the rest of this lineup because on Sunday, yesterday, obviously they lose 4-3. to And uh, it was just a kind of a, a wacky game uh, in general. Um, Shout-out to Lamont Wade for getting his first career leadoff home run. Buster Posey was unstoppable at the plate when he was, uh, when he was three for four, but he only had an RBI to show for it. Then the rest of the team only had one hit Dickerson, Duggar, Slater, when he pinched hit for Duggar. Then Donovan Solano had a hit. Mauricio Jubon had a hit, but that's it. And, you know, ultimately that was their downfall because they couldn't get any runs after the second inning. And, however, we didn't see Craig Kimbrell the entire series until Sunday. How big is that? I didn't even think about that. Because when I saw Craig Kimball come in yesterday, I was like, wow, we really haven't seen this dude in all series, and he's one of the most expensive closers in baseball. But what this series showed me is that the Giants, let's just look, I, I think right now at 37-22, and 22, they're at a point where they're most likely, if they are going to get into the playoffs, uh, in, into the postseason... The one way they're going to do it is through the wild card. I don't know if they're going to win the division. I don't know if that's going to be sustainable until the end of the year. But I do think they have a pretty ga- pretty damn good chance of getting into a wild card game. And if they do, you know, there could be moves made at the trade deadline and we we might not even have Gosman for all we know or Queto or Crawford, whoever, right? But if they do get to a wild card matchup and they do get into a round of 3, I have no doubt that the Giants can at least pull that off and get into the divisional round into that next one so they can have a series of five. I, I have no doubt that the Giants can do that because what they've proven is, sure, they might lose every now and then, but their starting rotation, you're going to get performances like ones from Kevin Gosman. Uh, you're going to get Johnny Cueto out there. Di Sclafani has been very, very good. You know, and Aaron Sanchez, when he comes back from the injured list, he was okay when he was pitching. I just think that this time right now with the Giants, I've completely changed my tune because I was on that line, right? I was on that line of, well, are they a good team or are they just one of those teams that's off to a hot start and will cool down eventually? Feels like that happens with the Seattle Mariners every single year. Uh, But, Right now, after that series, and the way that they handled the Cubs in those first couple of games, I I mean, dude, I'm watching that, and I'm just like, okay, this is different. They actually do have something here. They did it against a top team within the National League. And ultimately, even though the Cubs have a better lineup all around on paper, I mean, the Giants just looked like the better team this weekend. They did. And I did not expect that. So, uh, shout out to the Giants. But unfortunately, we did have another one of those injuries. And quite frankly, this one is different than anything I'd seen. But Evan Longoria... And Brandon Crawford collided with each other at shortstop uh, when they were in the shift, and I'd never seen anything like that before. When Crawford was going to his right, Longoria was going to his left. They were both trying to get the same ground ball. The communication wasn't there, and they bumped into each other. Then Evan Longoria ends up going on the ten day uh, the ten day IL with an injured shoulder, and now it's just it's just next man up at this point. It's just next man up, and now it looks like he's going to miss damn near four weeks with the shoulder sprain, which is huge, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. That came out yesterday. So, look, I, I don't know how they're going to fill this void. They called up Tyro Estrada from AAA. Apparently, he's been really hot over there. I haven't paid attention too much to him, but... Yet again, another guy, another veteran piece going on the injured list. You know, there's all, it feels like they've continued to get these wins and stack them up and continue to score runs, but then one of their guys goes down and gets hurt. Now, thank God it wasn't Crawford. I mean, you know, because Crawford's been uh, red hot lately. And he's been amazing at shortstop. I mean that, uh, that that play that he made on Friday night, that diving play to his left, was unbelievable. And half the people in the crowd didn't notice it because it it just happened so quick. Uh, but this injury to Longoria is just yet another blow to this Giants team with this roller coaster type of a season, man. I mean, at, at the very least, it's entertaining to watch. They get a night off tonight. And uh, then, they're back t- uh, then they're back tomorrow. And also, did anyone see Gabe Kapler? The video of Gabe Kapler yesterday, pregame, going out there in a cut-sleeve shirt, suns out, guns out, stretching in front of the Cubs dugout? Like, this dude is jacked. <laughs> we always have those conversations in the NFL, which, like, which NFL head coach would you take in a Royal Rumble? Which one would you take in a boxing match? If you had... Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather, which head coaches would want to be in the undercard? And then every single person's answer is Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel? Mike Vrabel. Maybe Mike Tomlin here and there, but Mike Vrabel. Well this one, no doubt, Cabe Kapler's the dude. This has to be the most jack manager. I'm not even saying this year, in major league baseball history. In major league baseball history. What kind of other manager could do that sort of stuff? Not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. You know, we've seen Robert Sala and what he does, you know, running upstairs and doing his workouts and everything, but Gabe Kapler, man, as far as baseball coaches go, baseball managers, and the way that they've looked in the past, and the prototypical type of manager where they have a gut, and it looks like they're struggling to walk out to the mound to go talk to their pitcher, I mean, Gabe Kapler's right up there, man. (laughs) He is. If you didn't see the video, I recommend you check it out. It's just like, oh my god, I can't believe this dude's a baseball manager. All right. Oh, God, there's just so much to get to. Uh, coming up next, though, I do want to get into this Julio Jones trade with the Titans. And I want to know from you at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. the best way I want to do this is on a scale of 1 to 10, before he was even traded to the Titans, how confident were you that the Niners were going to trade for Julio Jones? Re- like, I-, I really want to know you're genuinely how confident. Confident were you that the Niners are going to trade for Julio Jones because there was one piece of reporting that was done over the weekend that made me go from like a seven down to a three, and I'll get to what that is next. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That's the text line and the phone number. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show. Ninety five seven the game. Now back to the
0: pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford.
1: Yeah. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. I'm a little delusional at 519 in the morning. The reason that I am playing Drake right now, and I do want to get into the Julio Jones trade from over the weekend, because I was at about a seven with thinking that Julio could get traded to the Niners just because of his relationship with uh, Kyle Shanahan and the fact that he understands his offense and all those different things. And also, he wouldn't be that expensive. But then I saw a piece of news that was out over the weekend before he got traded, which had my confidence level down to a three. And that's a 3 at the most and I wanted to know from you at 888-957-9570, if you had a scale 1 through 10 what was your confidence level that the 49ers would actually sign Julio Jones. Genuinely I'd like to know. Like how like where were you at before Julio Jones? Did you really think that he was going to get traded to the Niners. I want to know on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident were you? Obviously, 1 being your least confident and uh, 10 being your most confident. But the reason that I'm playing Drake is because Clay shouted him out over the weekend on his IG live and I'll play a majority of a majority of that at uh, at about 5:35 coming up. But man, Clay was on Instagram, he was sailing the bay in his boat yacht whatever you want to call it and he was on his own just on instagram live answering questions and just saying stuff
0: where you at wise you should be on the boat being my deckhand rookie come on rook get out here
1: (laughs) oh man i just love i i i i love clay thompson who the hell does not like love clay thompson if you don't then there is something wrong with you. Uh, But we will get into the NBA playoffs as well. And then, I I don't know, I'm not going to talk about the Mayweather and Paul fight too much because I did uh, waste my time watching it. But just, what are we doing? (laughs) What are we doing here? I had to put some eye drops in uh, right after just so I could try and do something to my eyes to wash it out of that monstrosity that we watched yesterday. Uh, But I do want to get into this. So, we had... Julio Jones, possibly going to the 49ers. It was clear that he wasn't going to be going to uh, the Falcons anymore, and they were going to trade him. Then there were all those different uh, reports coming out saying that he's going to be traded for a second-rounder. They'd go as high as a first-rounder if teams are willing to pay that price. But in the end, the Titans gave up a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 Fourth round pick for Julio, and then a sixth rounder in 2023. So they give up their second rounder in 2022. They give up their third rounder in 2023. Then they get a sixth rounder in uh, in 2023, as well as Julio Jones. So it's not that expensive, and rightfully so. Um, and excuse me, is a 2023 fourth rounder. My bad, but rightfully so, every fan base is pissed like every fan base that needed a wide receiver needed a a, a, a a big play threat needed a guy who could possibly run the fade even though no one really runs goal line fades all that much anymore just because it's such a low percentage type of play to get a score in this analytics time but look when I saw this report over the weekend from Jeremy Fowler saying, Julio Jones wants to play for a contender. All right, well, you got the 49ers there because I do think they're going to be contending within the NFC next year. But it says Julio Jones wants to play for a contender with a big-armed quarterback. With a big-armed quarterback. And if you're going in there with the expectation that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be starting in Week 1 and Julio wanted to go to a contender that had a big-armed QB, then there's no way that you... if you, Let's just say you were at a 9 on the scale of confidence that the 49ers were going to trade to Julio Jones. Let's just say they were at a 9. There's no way that that could have stuck at a 9 when you saw that he wanted to play for a contender with a big arm. Garoppolo, his main issue that we saw last year... Look, we we understand he knows how to run Kyle Shanahan's offense. He knows how to make the intermediate throws, knows how to get Debo Samuel open in space and let him run wild, get the yards after the catch. But the biggest issue with Jimmy Garoppolo was his deep ball and making the decisions that were necessary to throw deep. And his average depth of target, when you look at all those little numbers, was as low as anyone else's in the league. He would throw behind the line of scrimmage just as much as anyone else in the league. And when a guy like Julio Jones says he wants to play for a contender with a big armed quarterback and with the respect that the Falcons have for Julio Jones, despite how it all went down, you know, with that whole saga of Shannon Sharp and Julio calling into FS1's undisputed, even though Julio didn't know that he was going to be on TV. And then he just said, yeah, I'm up out of there, man. The Falcons still wanted to give him what he wanted just because of what he has done for the organization. He has been within the top five wide receiver conversation ever since he's been in the NFL. Hell, I mean, even in the top three. And he would always kind of be the dark horse candidate. Everyone's like, well, don't forget about Julio over in Atlanta. Remember, there's always Julio Jones. Anytime you know Odell Beckham or Antonio Brown were brought into the conversation, or DeAndre Hopkins. Remember, there's always Julio Jones. And I just saw when I, when I heard big armed QB, I took the 49ers out of it. I was like the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Derek Carr, He, you know, he's accurate with the deep ball, and that's the reason why Nelson Aguilar was able to get uh, a ton of yards and, and kind of uh, brought back to life, because Nelson Aguilar is a big play type of wide receiver, and Derek Carr is very good at that. But it's not the type of offense that John Gruden runs where you're going to be throwing the deep ball a lot. And I think Julio Jones would want that. So in the end, he goes to the Titans, but man... He's going with Tannehill. <laughs> like, 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 I know Tannehill's really good, uh, has been really good ever since he's been with the Titans, but how consistent can he really be? And it's all predicated on Tannehill staying healthy, which he'd had problems with sometimes back when he was in Miami. And now you're going to a team, they're, they're going to be pretty stacked, I'm not going to lie. That I love A.J. Brown, I think he's a great wide receiver, Uh, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league, and he's definitely a big play threat. Then, of course, with Derrick Henry and the amount of weapons that they have on their offensive line, I think the Titans are going to be pretty good. But, you know, in the end, you're still playing with Tannehill, and that's who you got traded for. And I don't think um, the 49ers are really going to go into this year um, at any point where they're just saying, well you know, we should have paid more than a second rounder and a fourth rounder. We should have maybe even uh, given up a first rounder in the future, even though we don't have a first rounder for the next couple of seasons. I, I think, you know, 49er fans, that's what they'd be willing to go that far. But in the end, you know, Julio Jones is in his 30s and he's great, but he was also hurt a, a lot of last season. And, uh, you know, previously he hadn't really been hurt. He'd played in all his games. He'd been an Iron Man of sorts. Um so we'll see how it goes this year, but uh, ultimately, any team, any fan base, whoever it is, they're going to be on sports radio this morning asking, why didn't our team give that up? Why couldn't they give up a second-rounder and a fourth-rounder for a sixth-rounder in Julio Jones? Like, Why couldn't they do that? And, and and understandably so. It's what happens every single time there's a big name out there. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero that's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything. But from the seven oh seven uh where was it? From the five one oh Steven from Hercules, I would say a three. Who would throw him the ball, Garoppolo? Honestly, I thought he was going to be a Raider, and the Raiders. I think they had the third best odds to get him um, at that point. I think the Titans had the best. Then from the seven oh seven, Shanahan was at NASCAR in Sonoma yesterday. He did the start your engines thing. Looked like he had a few pops of Napa, Val- Napa Valley wine too. Hey, Shanahan's funny man. I don't. I don't know. He's um. He's really cool just a cool type of guy in general uh, but 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 yesterday his start your engines for me it was just like you know, you know I, I saw it and i was like okay it could have been a little more animated he went from 0 to 100 real quick when he was at nascar yesterday announcing the drivers hello faithful hey we've missed you guys man so pumped to see you guys in levis again this year hey on that note
0: let's get this started Drivers, start your engines!
1: <laughs> like, like I don't know if he's the type of head coach. I, I, I look, I don't know any of this stuff. I don't know um, whether he's the type of head coach that's going to be yelling at us. But when I saw, what I heard that,
0: drivers, start your. Injuns!
1: I don't know if he's the type of head coach that gets his point across uh, based on his yelling, and also you could just tell by his voice at the end of the game. Uh, normally, he has most of his voice there. Now, obviously, you you know, you yell at the refs and you know try to get the call. You yell for timeout. We've seen Kyle Shanahan be pretty animated on the sideline, but when I saw that yesterday, I just kind of saw like the half-assed point. <laughs> but he did a good job. He did a good job, and he did talk yesterday. And I want to, I, I want to bring this up, but he did talk yesterday about uh, Julio Jones and what he's happiest to see. Because uh, I do think he was disappointed they didn't get him, knowing that they do need a threat like that. Uh, but here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say about Julio going to the Titans. Your Very bad he's in the AFC. <laughs> Hey. It would
0: have been nice have him in Santa Clara.
1: It would have been a hell of a deal, but my
0: second favorite choice is to be in the AFC. <laughs> that team that you have to play. Before, right? Uh yes, but you got to worry about everyone. But my number one, him not being in our division is a huge deal. Um, the NFC is the second favorite, but Julio's a man. Everyone knows how good a player he is. He's got to help a player. Yeah.
1: And that is the key. There, that is the key not being within your division. Now, sure, you're going to play him once, uh, but that's going to be far down the road. Um, So, you know, he needs to stay healthy for a majority of the season if he's actually going to be uh, playing against the Niners uh, in the future. But if he would have gone to the Seahawks or the Cardinals or the Rams, those guys have a lot of talent in their wide receiver room already. And it would have been confusing because... Uh, the Seahawks and the Cardinals and the Rams, as a matter of fact, all spent second rounders on wide receivers this year. So I think they're expecting uh, those guys to fill in whatever role they needed. Um, you know, Dwayne Eskridge is the guy over in Seattle who's supposed to be making an impact. But look, if it's the Titans, fine at least he's not along with the Seahawks with guys like DK and Tyler Lockett. At least he's not with the Cardinals with guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk. At least he's not with the Rams to go along with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. It, it, like, like, That's a win for him at least not going into the NFC West. At least. That's all I think you can take away from that. Sure, it's disappointing that You didn't give up the second-rounder and the fourth-rounder, which I'm sure the 49ers offered. Like, Who wouldn't want to offer a second-rounder in 2022 and a fourth-rounder in 2023? But in the end, I think the Falcons wanted to take Julio's decision into account. And when he said he wanted to play for a contender with a big-armed quarterback... I mean, the Niners were just taken out of the running right there if Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be your starter uh, come Week 1. That is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. I want to know from you. If Clay were driving a boat, sailing a boat, whatever the term is, how much would you pay to go hang out on that boat with Clay Thompson if he was sailing across the bay? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero because Clay was on Instagram live, and I do want to play a few of the highlights for you. We will actually talk some NBA playoffs and some actual basketball, but Clay on Saturday on Instagram live driving his boat through the bay. I mean, it, it made my Saturday. And I think it made a lot of Warrior fans Saturday uh, seeing that. And not only that, but just NBA fans in general. So how much would you pay? 888 That's the text line to the phone number. What is your limit? We'll get to that on the other side, plus some NBA playoffs talk. Stephen Langford on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game.
0: Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 957 9570 That's the text line to the phone number if you want to weigh in. I want to know from you because from the 925, I got five G's. The question I asked when we went to break is how much would you pay to go hang out on a boat, when Clay Thompson is sailing through the bay and you could just chill. How much would you pay for that? AAA-957-9570 because for the 925-5G's. And in case you missed it on Saturday, look, this is radio. It's an audio medium. It's not going to do any of the video justice. But I think if you haven't seen any of the highlights here, Clay Thompson took his boat or his yacht. I'm not sure which one. I'm not sure the difference. But he took his boat out, sailed it across the bay, under the Bay Bridge, around McCovey Cove. I think he took a video of Chase Setter at one point just living life on Saturday, chilling on his own. He had some coffee in his hand, you know? And uh, there was so much to unpack from it. But I do want to play some of the clips for you, and then we'll get into a little uh, NBA playoffs talk. But, I mean, I don't know which was my favorite. I don't know if it was him talking about Alcatraz, I don't know if it was him talking about how many points he's going to score next year, whether it's him talking crap to Wiseman somehow. are you at, Wise? I sh- you should be on the boat
0: being my deckhand, rookie. Come on, rook. Get out here.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you right now. I would pay everything in my bank account to go hang out with Klay Thompson for a day on Saturday on his boat. I would. I would. I mean, I, I don't. I put, don't put me up to it, but I would hypothetically, yeah, because everything that he was saying and doing yesterday was just hilarious. And let's just start off with this one. Here is Clay talking about Alcatraz. Oh man, it's just us today, people. Captaining the vessel all by myself.
0: Look at look at Alcatraz, America. they are funny. Why we build these terrible places on such beautiful pieces of land? Grr.
1: Woohoo! It's nice! Man, I miss hoping. <laughs> it's like, this dude is having so much fun. Just living his life. And, and can we not do this? Oh, man. We're gonna do it. I know we're gonna do it. it's gonna frustrate the, the hell out of me. But... They're gonna, I, I, they're gonna create a nickname for it. They're gonna do another nickname for Clay because Warrior fans, anytime Clay Thompson just does anything in his life, then they just put whatever he's doing in front of the name Clay. And quite frankly, I can't stand it. And there was a time when it was actually validated because Clay was asked about his nicknames a while back, and he says, "I'm just Clay." i'm just clay but you remember that you know you, you had china clay you had scaffolding clay you had headband clay you had all these different types of clays don't call him sailor clay or something like that just let him be clay and let him continue to do him if i were to bet
0: it i don't know who i would pick tough call i mean it's crazy no home team can get a win never seen that before look at alcatraz look at her look at her look at her Rest in peace Sean Connery, my man's living in the Bahamas, he knew what was up. There are a lot of boats out here today, y'all. Fishing season. I'm not, I'm not there yet. Not there yet. Keep on seeing. not feeling this song. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. It's a good song.
1: Whoa, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> he's just like thinking out loud as he's sailing on his boat on Instagram live just answering questions the entire time I love it ain't no complaints
0: got racks in the bank what would you think leave you ass bank ooh I ain't felt like this in a long time y'all mode I did not practice LB it's my day off LB get out of here
1: LB talking about Leandro Barbosa because Leandro Barbosa was in the comments asking if he's practiced today. And then if you heard it in the background, Playboy Cardi, long time, started playing. Now, I'm not a huge Playboy Cardi guy, but if Clay is and I am, screw it. I am a Playboy Cardi fan now after hearing Clay and hearing him sing this. It's just like (laughs) everything that he does turns to gold. And by the way, the Alcatraz... When he said: Rest in peace, Sean Connery. He tends to do this. He he tends to do this thing where, out of left field, he'll just say something completely random, even though it's not random because there's a tie to it. Obviously, Sean Connery was in the movie The Rock, so like, which was about Alcatraz. W- what would have gotten me if he would have been like, shout out Clint Eastwood, shout out Clint Eastwood for making the papier mache head. And escaping from Alcatraz, actually being the only guy to do it, and that <laughs> I would have loved to hear his take on whether those guys made it or not. Back to the actual city, but again, triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. How much would you pay to go on a boat with Clay Thompson if you could, if you had the opportunity, and he was driving the boat? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Okay, there are two more that I want to play for you, which were the highlights, and these are my two favorite ones. And you know what, let's start off with someone asking on his comments how many points he expects to score next year.
0: I miss you guys, too. How many points might average next year, you know? I'm not going to put an expectation on it. I just want to be an efficient player. I don't care how many points I score. But I want to have a positive impact every time I'm on the hardwood. That real plus-minus stuff. That analytical stuff. You feel me?
1: <laughs> that real plus-minus stuff. He wants to be in the plus. That real play, that analytical stuff, you feel me? I love Clay. He's the best. But this is the one clip, the one that really got me. Out of nowhere, toward the end, it ends kind of sudden as he's passing McCovey Cove. But there's just so much that's going on in this next clip. First off, he shouts out Drake, and then he starts passing by McCovey Cove. Uh, here's the last clip I want to play from Clay's IG Live. I y'all, uh, climbing
0: to thirty knots. Hey you uh, we're moving now. Shout Drake, artist of the decade. Man, that's impressive. We had a little beef, you know. We had the city turned up. That's my last taste of hoops, man. NBA Finals, I miss it. There's nothing like the finals, yo. Know? Nothing like it. I'm in. Brother- all that other. Day. It's too late for it. All right, who's in McCovey today? McCovey Cove, baby, here I come. The house Barry Bonds built. And
1: who else on that team? Jeff Kent, Barry Zito. That's the one right there. That's the one. Not only was it shouting out Drake, but he's like, the house that Barry Bonds built. Who was back on those teams? Jeff Kent? Then the next guy that he names is Barry Zito. Barry Zito was... An emerging star at that time with the A's with his 12-6 curveball. He wasn't exactly on those Giants teams with Barry Bonds. That's a few years down the line. You gotta go, you know, six or seven years down the line there before Barry Zito made those teams. I'm telling you, just these random out-of-left-field discussions that he has, these takes that he has, it gets me every single time. And then... Of course, Drake had to get involved in it, and Drake's all over social media doing a side-by-side uh, with Clay. And he's doing that TikTok thing where he's, like, mouthing out the words to Clay's uh, to Clay's Instagram. And then everyone's all on, you know, posting it everywhere, Bleacher Report, Complex, all of those publications. Oh, look at Drake. He's so funny. He's, he's mimicking Clay Thompson because Clay Thompson is mentioning Drake. Like, I watched that, and it was almost as disappointing as Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. Almost. I expected something funny. I mean, you know, I always hate on Drake, even though Drake's a good dude and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But anyway, that's Clay on Instagram. I hope that was an enjoyable segment for you. In case you did miss it, just... Look it up anywhere; you'll be able to find Clay Thompson on his boat. You can just look it up, and there'll be different videos posted uh, everywhere. So, shout out to Clay! Shout out to Drake!
0: There's no emotion on my face because I'm numb.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know; it just it just gets me every time. All right, let's actually talk some. uh, Let's talk some actual sports here. As yesterday, we had a game seven between the Clippers and the Mavericks. And with this series, this one was very interesting. And look, as much as I don't want to, I, I really don't want to do this, but I gotta give the Clippers some credit in the way that they just came back and dominated that game. They became the first team in NBA history with twenty plus threes made in a game seven. And uh and they won one twenty six to one eleven. But what the story was throughout this series really was Luca versus Kawhi. Luca versus Kawhi. One game Luka would uh, one game Luca would, you know, go off then the next uh, Kawhi would go off. It was, you know, two apiece, then it was the Clippers uh, for the next two and then the Mavs won uh, uh the Mavs won game 5 to make it a 3-2 series. Then the Clippers ended up taking game 6 and really it was luka Kawhi, Luca Kawhi. Then in this game 7, It turned into a tale of two halves as Luka was just destroying the Clippers. He had 29 points in that first half and doing it in a variety of ways, but in the end... He became too tired and, you know, the, the Clippers were playing some good defense. Kawhi Leonard started to dominate that game and doing it every way, scoring the basketball, making good passes, getting the assists. Um, and then, you know, they were coming back. The, the Mavs had a little 13 to 3 run to cut the deficit to seven in the fourth quarter, uh, with about a minute 20 left. And then Reggie Jackson on the Clippers hits a big time three. And then after that, it was all over from there. But, As mentioned, 29 points in that first half for Luka Doncic. And shout out to StatMuse. Because StatMuse has been fantastic. If you don't follow StatMuse, I highly recommend you do. It's on Twitter. And they've kind of emerged as the premier go-to stat Twitter page. Listen to this. Luka Doncic by quarters this playoffs. In the first quarter, 85 points on 54% from the field, and 48% from three. 85. Then in the second quarter, 71 points, 62% from the field, and 57% from three. So, not only is he scoring a lot in the first half, but he's doing it incredibly efficient. And, uh, um, unbelievably efficient. 62% from the field in the second quarter. But in the second half... Listen to this. In the third quarter, he scored 54 points on 44% from the field and 32% from three. And then in the fourth quarter, he scored 40 points with 35% from the field and 28% from three. So those numbers are down, what, 23% from three from the three-point line? Then damn near 18% from the field in the second half? Look, man, this guy needs some help, and I was hoping that the Mavs were actually gonna go forward and uh, go forward in the playoffs. Because now we're going to be seeing a Clippers and Jazz series, and you know the narrative after that one is gonna be either or the Jazz or the Clippers can't make it out of the playoffs, and it's just a normal thing that we're used to seeing. Because, quite frankly. Look, even though I'm a Warrior fan and every single time the Jazz play, I'm going to be thinking, like, this is the time where uh, this is this is the point where the Warriors should have been, where they could have been in these playoffs. And that's what I'm going to be thinking every, time, every single time I'm watching uh, the Jazz play. But the fact that LeBron isn't in it, the two teams that were in the finals last year bounced from the first round, and now we're seeing some of these newer teams emerge— I don't know about you, but uh, the playoffs without LeBron, I'm good with it. As a basketball fan, I'm actually excited uh, for this second round. And, you know, the Clippers and the Jazz series, eh. You know, know, I don't really like those two teams that much. Uh, If I had my choice, I'd want the Jazz over the Clippers any day of the week because, also, if the Clippers do lose, then eventually Kawhi or Paul George are going to want to leave um, and I was thinking like after the first round, if they would have lost in that first round, if they would have lost that Game 7, I mean, I would have come in here the entire time talking about possible trade scenarios. But also, what happened in that series with Dallas is that with those numbers from Luka, you just have to imagine that they're going to try and make some sort of big trade in order to get Luka some help. Because Luka needs it more than anyone else. And you have this generational type of talent where you'll do anything in order to get this dude some wins. So, you know, Steve Kerr's always talking about how the Warriors need veteran help. Well, think about that with the Mavs. The Mavs are going to be one of those other teams who are certainly in the running for the big names. And Luka Doncic, you know, some guys are going to want to play with him just because uh, 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 of the way, of the style that they play, the way that they play through Luka. And I I just got to say, you know, There are certain types of three pointers that are my favorite in the league. Like, I think Steph does the pump fake sidestep three pointer better than anyone else in the league, and that's my favorite one to watch him do. But, man, Luka's step back, it's just so damn pretty. It really is. When he gets that ball off, he does it so slow. You know, it's such a slow moving type of play for him. But somehow, yesterday, when he was hitting those shots over Kawhi Leonard, when he was hitting those shots, I'm like, man, this dude is just different. He is. And yesterday um, in that game, I, mean, I think he hit like three of them. These step back threes where it just floats right off his hands, and somehow he gets swishes into the hoop. I don't know how he does it, but you know, among those top three guys in uh, uh, in three pointers, whether it's you know Joe Harris, Stephen Curry, or uh, or Dame Lillard like Joe Harris, you know, he doesn't really do much for me as far as like the excitement when shooting a three. He's just like a catch and shoot three type of player and it's going to go in. But as far as being in one-on-one situations, you know, Steph has that side step three, Dame just has the ability to pull up from as deep as anywhere and hit the deepest shots, but Luka's step back has to be right up there as far as the coolest looking threes uh, in the game. So Look, it was very entertaining, but shout-out to the Clippers. Now they got another series against the Jazz, and yet again, we get a second-round playoff with those guys. By the way, did anyone see what happened with the Blazers over the weekend? Speaking of Dame, I guess him coming out and saying that he wants Jason Kidd as the head coach made Jason Kidd uncomfortable and put himself out of the running of the, of the Blazers' head coaching gig. He just said it was too awkward in that way. So, so so that was weird. I'm just like, what? The, the, you have Dame Lillard, Jason Kidd. This dude wants you to be the head coach of your team. What? It's just too much pressure in Portland? Knowing that if Dame goes out from the playoffs yet again, then it's going to be on you instead of actually Dame Lillard or any of these other players? From the 415, cut it out. Luca hasn't won anything and just got bounced. Let him breathe. I'm letting him breathe. Lucas doing whatever he wants right now. I'm just on a 5 a.m. show giving takes 415. Giving takes. Also, what happened in the East with the Bucks and the Nets? Somehow, even though the Nets were without James Harden after the first 43 seconds of the game, they had no problem beating the Bucks in that one. And I just talked about my favorite type of threes. You know, the Lucas step back, the Steph sidestep three after a pump fake. My least favorite type of three are the ones that, G- that Giannis Antetokounmpo shoots. I can't stand watching him shoot threes. Because the defense is going to dare him to do that, and that's what the Nets did in that second half. And, you know, sometimes he's hot and he's going to make it, but watching a big dude like that have to step back, even though the defense is sagging off of him, and still watching him shoot a three, and not letting the Bucks do anything to try and get him an open look. He just has to do it all himself. I can't stand seeing that, and that's what gets me uh, about the Bucks. But the Nets, however, the way that they were working with all their players, playing some relatively good defense, I do think it's a fun series because we are getting P.J. Tucker and KD again. Uh, Bobby Portis and Blake Griffin is a fun matchup to have, and then when James Harden goes out and Kyrie Irving feels like he has to put the team on his back, we could say whatever we want about Kyrie Irving off the court. We could say whatever we want. But on the court, what he was doing in that game to help create plays for his teammates and himself, shooting threes in transitions, in transition, getting to the hoop. He's one of the best point guards at getting to the hoop in the league. I mean, this dude can really do anything. And then you put Kevin Durant alongside him. And they looked damn good in that game one as they got the 115-107 to 107 win. And then you had the game one again with the Hawks and the Sixers. Uh, we'll see if the Sixers make the sort of adjustments on Trey Young that are necessary. But right now, uh, Trey Young is looking pretty much unstoppable. <laughs> At least he did in that game one. He was creating his own shot doing whatever he wanted, and the Sixers couldn't do anything against him. You know, they, they were trying to trap him, but he was able to break out of that trap. Like, he could do a lot of things, and I think that watching the Hawks and the Sixers, even though Embiid is playing Hurt, it's a very intriguing series to me. It really is. So right now, we've got our second-rounder set. We're going to have the Nuggets and the Suns. We're going to have the Jazz and the Clippers, and then we got the Nets and the Bucks and the Hawks and the 76ers, who already got their series rolling. Um... You know, personally, without LeBron, you know, I don't care about ratings. I don't care about any of that sort of stuff. I just think that it's very entertaining basketball. And watching teams like the Suns, um, watching the Nuggets without any of their players pretty much, and then uh, watching the Hawks. I think it's a lot of fun, man. I'm I'm actually uh, really looking forward to it. And we got the Nets and the Bucks who are playing today at 4.30. And then you got the Nuggets and the Suns playing at 7 o'clock. So you're going to have those two games going on tonight. And I think that uh, watching KD, man, watching KD and Kyrie, it's just a lot of fun. And the way that they're able to work with their teammates and make guys around them better, uh, just very enjoyable. All right. Coming up next, the Morning Roast with Bonte Hill, Kate Scott, and Joe, the Butcher Boy Shasky. They're going to be joined by Cam Inman at 720 to get some insight into how the 49ers went after Julio. And then Dave Fleming at 8 o'clock. Stick around for the roast now.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.